Oh my god i just finished obi-wan part one and two and i cannot believe what i just watched my expectations were through the roof for this show and i kind of thought i would be a little bit disappointed but they exceeded every expectation i ever had i just kept watching it and getting giddy and excited and i would like cheer at the screen i'm gonna go over the first two parts in full spoiler review right here on Han talks first so if you haven't watched it now's your chance to dip out and come back later i'm broadcasting this to you from anaheim i am at star wars celebration right now obviously because i'm in a hotel room i'm sorry i can't be at the studio for this but guys let's just talk about it oh my god you're listening to han talks first so who talks first you talk first i talk first Okay, so I have had like zero sleep the entire time I've been here because I was up at four in the morning to drive to Anaheim and then six in the morning starting to get in lines for uh, celebration and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just, I'm running on zero right now. And I'm so glad that they released it just a little bit early. I feel like they did it just for me. Kidding, obviously not. So let's start off by talking about part one. So it starts off at the bottom of the screen. It says, do you want to skip the recap? And I was like, I wonder what they're putting for the recap. And of course they condensed the entire uh, prequel trilogy. The recap alone was edited so well that I I was getting so emotional and like really I had goosebumps and the freaking we hadn't even seen any new material yet it was that good it was just because you know what's coming and you know it's going to be Obi-Wan 10 years later and it just oh it it hit me in the feels so hard and then it gets even crazier with the opening scene taking place during order 66 look i knew they were probably going to have some kind of flashback like this in the show but i didn't expect it to be nearly as good as it was that brilliant one long take as the clones are firing in and the older jedi's trying to protect the younglings as she's running away and then she gets executed right in front of them and then they're like oh we're on our own and then that beautiful wide shot where it shows down below the bridge all the clones and the Jedi fighting against each other. It was glorious. And then the scene ends with you hear the echoing of Palpatine's voice saying, Execute Execute Order Order 66. 66. It was at this very moment that I realized I totally underestimated Deborah Chow. She is absolutely killing it. These first two episodes have been remarkable from a director's standpoint. There was a couple issues I had with some of the performances, but none from the lead cast. She's doing a great job. So after it says execute order 66 and it hits the black screen, you're left sitting, feeling that moment, and then it cuts to 10 years later. It was a very Avengers Endgame moment when on the bottom of the screen it says five years later. You really felt it. But we don't just go straight into Obi-Wan. We have to first see the Inquisitor see what our threat is going to be and look i'm just going to say i too thought the grand inquisitor looked really weird in the trailers and the marketing but he looked great in the actual episode he had some great lines too of course dialogue we heard in the trailer but also that idea of jedi hunting themselves where they're so invested in their ideology that they you know they can't help it but help people in need and therefore that is their weakness clever little trick in the diner where she threw the knife to see if a jedi would catch it with the force and sure enough it did and then we met our first runaway jedi something interesting about reva which is really shown out a lot in these first two episodes is that she's kind of like the victim of her other brothers and sisters heavily bullying her now as far as the actress portraying reva moses ingram i think she's doing a Good job. She did a a good performance, a really great performance in the first episode. I kind of lost that in the second one. I feel like maybe it was not clear what her direction was supposed to be. But the first one, I really liked her. And then we get it. Then we get our first look at Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
He's working as a miner. They are gutting a dead crate dragon for meat and possibly scales, pearls, other things like that. Ewan McGregor absolutely <laughs> kills it in this role. He's such a talented actor, but also playing Obi-Wan at this point in his life is very different than that of when he played him in his younger age in the prequel films. But it's also it's similar to the A New Hope version of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, but still it's a little different than that too. He definitely found a way to mold those two and figure out the right type of character beats to play in the era that this story is taking place. A great, great moment that I found with him when he was in his cave and the Jawa came by and threw him the little toy ship. And I was like, oh my God, from A New Hope, from A New Hope. And it's just so cool how they can connect things like that. Like the toy that Luke was playing with in A New Hope is something that Obi-Wan Kenobi gave to him as a boy. I just, it's so, it's so great. And then we cut to seeing flashbacks. Obi-Wan Kenobi is dreaming, having nightmares about what happened to him in the past and Anakin and Padme and all these terrible things, Qui-Gon, all his loss and suffering. And it's really showing this is a damaged man a damaged man who still lives in guilt and cannot get over it and is trying to find a way okay but then after that scene we get one of the most beautiful moments in star wars the reveal of leia had me almost in tears whoever they cast to be this young version of leia absolutely did an amazing job it is on point it is exactly it almost feels like it is a younger version of Carrie Fisher all the moments with young Leia were they're so cute she you love this child like just seeing her seeing her personality how she's so mature for her age she's smart she's witty you know it's not just that she is royalty and it was in the Leia scenes when we first start to get a real feel of how impactful the music in this show is going to be Okay, so the score is by Natalie Holt. John Williams did the theme, which we've talked about many times here, which is a beautiful, solid theme, but the score in itself is something masterful to its own. The music in part one and part two is honestly some of the best Star Wars music I've heard in televised series. Yes, better than Kevin Kiner. Yes, somewhat better than Ludwig van Gorenson. Now it is a different style, but I'm telling you, this she is doing a fantastic job. It's going back to that romantic orchestral style of classic music and that chamber orchestra. It it works. It feels so Star Wars. Okay, Joel Edgerton. We all knew before he was an amazing actor, but the way he plays Owen Lars is. It's perfect. The mannerisms, the way he holds himself, the way he calls out Luke's name, it all just feels like it's straight from that older version in A New Hope. It's brilliant. Deborah Chow herself said that the one thing that she's most thankful to for George Lucas doing is hiring Joel Edgerton as Uncle Owen. And look, most importantly, his relationship with Ewan McGregor. I don't know if these guys have ever worked together before, if they know each other. I would put money on the fact that they have because their chemistry is so strong i don't know what it is but these two play off each other really well it's believable it's entertaining and it adds to the scene it adds to the tension okay so after obi-wan and uncle owen have their little chat reva comes into town with the inquisitors she of course confronts uncle owen about jedi she can kind of sense that something's up and that he knows something and threatens to kill him not just him but also threatens to hurt anyone who decides to withhold information about jedi and threatening to cut off their hands george lucas would like that because it's like poetry it rhymes and the line from reva it's it, it's a great line when she's just like we'll cut off your hands that way every time you try to reach for something you'll think of us 
<laughs> Brilliant line. Now, meanwhile, while this is happening, we are back on Alderaan and we see that Leia is being hunted by a bounty hunter, also hired by Reva. You know, the more I talk about this, the more I realize how much stuff went on in just the first part of this show, but it does not at all feel convoluted. It, it's so easy to follow and it just... It felt it went it went by so fast. But anyway, Leia gets captured, and that's when the audience, at least me, realize, okay, this is what gets Obi Wan off planet. This is what gets him off Tatooine because he's attached to the Skywalkers. He has to go and he has to rescue Leia. And the way he finds out is by his little Nick Fury beeper. That's right, Obi Wan Kenobi has a little beeper given to him, just like Nick Fury. But now let me tell you about the best shot of this episode. It's the last shot. It's when he reaches into his pocket and he lifts up his drape and you see that little hint of the lightsaber and you're like, he's about to go out and kick some booty. Okay, so that's episode one. Let's talk about part two. First thing I thought was cute was the little clone reference. You know, we had Tamara Morrison laying on the ground. He's homeless. He's a lost clone. He serves no purpose anymore. It was it was a nice little cameo that didn't feel too forced or anything. It was great. But we meet for the first time Kamel Najiani's character. He, of course, was rumored to be a Jedi because he mentioned he got to play with a lightsaber. Little did we all know, he's not really a Jedi. He's actually faking it. Look, from the second it started, I, I knew it was fake. I knew it was some kind of con or he was doing magic or something. And obviously it turned out to be magnets and other things like that. The reason why that humor worked for me so well in the moment is because it was it was directed extremely well. It was very self-aware that, hey, we are setting up this scene to be a little bit over the top because it is fake. Again, just kudos to Deborah Chow. She's, she's showing all her traits as a director, all her strengths. She's really delivering. This work that she's doing on Obi-Wan is so much superior than that of her work on The Mandalorian, not to say it was bad. I'm just saying it's it's really showing her vision in something and really showing what she can do. And it's, it's excellent. And then after his meeting with the fake Jedi, he starts to go out and actually look for Leia. And in these moments, he runs into some obstacles, fighting people, and he's slowly starting to like realize, hey, I haven't done this in a while. I need to get back into it. I need to relearn what I what I used to know. Some people might disagree with this story arc in in this aspect, but I actually I think this is extremely appropriate. I mean, he's been in hiding for ten years. He's a grieving man. He suffered so much loss, and his main focus for the past 10 years has been to try and connect with something in some way and that is Qui-Gon Jinn because Yoda said he could potentially speak to him one day so that is his primary focus but we learn in this episode through all of these little skits Obi-Wan wasn't a great Jedi because of his skills that just enhanced it Obi-Wan was a very smart Jedi because like when he goes into that breaking bad room and he pretends to be um, Walter White he mixes up some chemicals and meth and spice and all that kind of stuff and he makes a little bomb that he carries in his chest because he knows that will be his way out very smart move so my favorite part of this episode and I actually laughed out loud pretty well was when he finally gets Leia they go in the alleyway and he she holds up Lola and he's just like don't make any noise with that thing and she's just like she won't do it she's hurt and he was just like good <laughs> Best moment of the show so far. So funny. I love seeing Ewan McGregor get to show off some of his comedic chops. Okay, but the reveal. The way that Leia gets to trust Obi-Wan, which could also lead to why she turns to him as her only hope in episode four. He catches her when she falls right before she's about to hit the ground. And just the look on his face. The performance from Ewan McGregor is just outstanding through all of this. I really feel every emotion that he's going through from the beginning of the episode to the end of the episode which we're going to talk about right now the last shot of him when he's 
calls out Anakin's name, wow. The performance on his face. The moment he finds out from Reva that Anakin's still alive and she mentions Vader's name, the look on his face, it, it seemed like he was both extremely happy but also extremely terrified. I really felt it. And the only thing I could think when I was watching this was, wow, I wish I was watching this with Star Wars fans. I wish I wasn't watching it in my hotel room because, man, this was incredible. And before I get to the very last shot, killing the Grand Inquisitor, he's dead in episode two. I'm not going to lie. I'm extremely disappointed by that. Honestly, if he'd have looked the way we all thought he was going to look from the trailers, I probably wouldn't feel too bad. But he he looked really good in the show, and we never got to see him like do his thing, show off his skills, you know, but that that's the point. That's not the story. That's it's subverting our expectations, but it wasn't done in a way where it felt a little insulting. I was just left wanting more. And the more I think about it, maybe he's not actually dead because he's still alive in Rebels. And this show pretty heavily relies on the back of a show like Star Wars Rebels, so actually I think he's coming back. Okay, the last shot <laughs> after Obi-Wan says Anakin's name. And then it cuts to Vader in the bathtub tank, just looking at the screen, breaking the fourth wall, creeping everybody out. Oh my God. And the freaking music behind it. The, the terrifying, tense music. And it, like, nothing happened in the scene. But we all felt it. I felt it. You felt it. It was It was this terrifying feeling that goes under your skin and you're just looking at it. You're just looking at it. Look, the show is absolutely incredible. My biggest regret is that I did not watch this with my girlfriend. I wanted to share this moment with her because it's so fucking great. But hey, guys, that's my show today. Thanks for watching. I'm at Celebration all week long. I'm doing reaction videos and breakdowns every day after Celebration live on YouTube. Come by, check it out. Check out other videos on the podcast or audio episodes. There's tons of content that I do, and I'd love to hear from you guys. So thanks for watching Hot Tonks First. I'm Han, and now somehow, someway, somewhere this week, may the force be with you.